always thought-provoking and informative. Forget the spin and media bias from the left and right. We know you are sick and tired of being told what to think, how to act, and what you can and can't do. Direct from the Ustream It Broadcast Network, it's time for another edition of the last Christian newscast and radio show with your hosts, J.D. Williams and T.L. Farley. Real news and biblical common sense analysis starts in three, two, one. Well, welcome everybody and thanks again for joining us for another edition of the last Christian newscast and radio show. My name is J.D. Williams and usually I would be uh, introducing to you my co-host Mr. T.L. Farley. Uh, They have a a personal issue going on right now. Hopefully Terry will be with us here in just a few minutes. Uh, If not, I'll try to... uh, I'll try to get through this by myself. I do want you guys to take another look at what uh, was displayed on the screen as we came on today. This is uh, the, what we're going to tackle today on the newscast. First of all, a federal court has now laid the blame directly on President Biden for the ongoing border crisis. Uh, also, we're going to discuss the origins and the effects of COVID-19. Those are emerging, and believe it or not, and I'm sure that you guys, uh, it comes as no surprise to you, that uh, all of the big tech people, they've been lying to us for three years, and it's just now beginning to come out. We're also going to be talking about the growing threat from China, and also Russian advances into Ukraine. What to expect there as we uh, possibly prepare for a conflict with Russia Um, By the way, we should also be expecting that conflict with China. So we're already looking at a two-front war if, if things do not turn around quickly. And finally, we're going to be examining the imminent Israeli attack on the Iranian nuclear facilities. It will happen. I guarantee it will happen because Israel is not about to allow any country to destroy it. So we're going to get into all of this and much more today. But uh, again, a federal court has now laid the blame directly on our president for the crisis on the border, a crisis that this administration refuses to acknowledge. And of course, this is all globalism. This is something that um, the world wants. This is something that the United Nations wants. They have touted it for years. If you don't believe me, look it up. As a member of the United States Press Association, I can tell you that this is, in fact, their goal. But let's listen to what... um, What is transpiring as far as the direct accusation now falling on the president of the United States? Let's listen to this. The judge saying the White House has, quote, effectively turned the southwest border into a meaningless line in the sand by prioritizing alternatives to detention and by releasing more than a million aliens into the country. Our next guest filed that lawsuit, Florida Attorney General Ashley Moody. You have to feel great about a judge seeing it like most clear-thinking Americans see it, especially you. This is not just a win for Florida. This is a win for our country. To have a judge come in and say what we have been saying all along, in fact, calling the White House out when they said there wasn't a crisis or nothing was going on, a federal judge has now said, basically, Biden broke the border. His policies, his request for less detention has allowed millions to come in without following federal law. 
And so again, this is a win for the rule of law, which is the basic tenet on which our government by the people is built. See, you know, it's amazing every time uh, the press secretary or a Biden official speaks, they say, we, had to, we inherited a broken system. Did, Absolutely is that the case? false. This, this proves that. In fact, one of my favorite lines in this order is when the judge was saying all of the evidence shows Biden's policies caused this surge, caused millions to come in, more than some populations of our states. And he said, look, you asked for less detention. You didn't follow the law, Biden. And now to blame it on not having those uh, the, the, the detention is like a child killing its parents and then asking for pity because it's an orphan. This is the, the administration's intention all along has been to destroy the border and leaving our country vulnerable. This is a great win for our country. As you know, one of the basic responsibilities of a leader going back for all time is to protect the border right. where your people live. But uh, actually, what changes today? What changes now? Well, federal government said, nope, these policies are in blatant violation of federal law. You must you must follow federal law and secure the border. I can't believe we had to have a state take our president to court to get them to do that. But that's what they've said. They've paused it to allow them time to appeal. But I am telling you, this this has driven me since this president took office. His policies are dangerous. As you see, Americans are dying. Police officers are asked to do incredible things, which we could control if we just secured our border. I will keep fighting this. Governor DeSantis will keep fighting this. We're in it not just for Florida, but for the country. Right. Uh, by the way, they say the reason why there's a big surge at the border, climate change. So that flies in the face of reality, and I hope people aren't buying that. Well, I would hope that nobody's buying that either. It sounds kind of silly to me that you have... Um, anyone saying that climate change is responsible for an influx of people coming from all countries uh, up through uh, South and Central America and then of course crossing the American border knowing that if they can just set foot in the United States that they're going to be released. At least that's the way it has been ever since uh, President Biden took office. And you heard them say there that the the crisis has grown to such proportions now that the numbers coming across our southern border are actually equaling the population of some states. Now this is ridiculous and it is nothing short of an invasion and for a state to have to sue the government of the United States to actually just obey the laws that have been passed by the United States Congress well, that is a dereliction of duty on the president, certainly on our attorney general, and they should be held accountable. And I believe that they will be held accountable in the next election, if in fact we have another election in the United States that is fair. And I'm not, I'm not a uh, election denier. I've said it all along. President Biden is president of the United States. He won the election by uh, whatever means. Uh, we can debate that one forever and always, I guess. But he is the president of the United States. And all that we ask is that he actually follow the law. And that is something that he and his administration seem to have a very difficult time doing, unfortunately. Okay, the next thing that we're going to talk about today is the epidemic, the pandemic known as COVID-19.
I'm going to tell y'all a very brief story. In December of 2020, my wife and I came down with probably the worst flu that we have ever had in our entire life. And then three months later, the country, basically, and the world, for that matter, basically shut down for a pandemic called COVID-19. Now, in the past few days, it has come to light that COVID-19 didn't originate in March. It was actually being talked about in December, December of 2019. And that is precisely when my wife and I came down with what we are now convinced was COVID-19. Neither one of us went to a doctor, and I'm not saying that people shouldn't go to doctors. I'm just saying we chose not to. We treated ourselves at home. It was probably the worst flu I have ever had in my entire life, but we treated it with over-the-counter medications. We bounced back from it and have not had any symptoms anywhere close to that severe ever since. So I am personally convinced that I had COVID-19 in December of 2019. I'm not saying that as a medical fact. I'm not challenging science. I'm simply giving you my personal opinion that that's what we had. And based on what has been discussed in front of the United States Congress, I think I'm right. But again, that's all debatable. And we can talk about that at a later time. I do, however, want to play you uh, some things from what's going on in Washington, D.C. on this very topic. And before I do that, I'm going to put up here on screen, uh, this is a uh, this came actually from a Fox News report, and by the way, we're going to be hearing a, a great deal of reporting here in just a moment. But what this says is the House Select Co Subcommittee on the coronavirus pandemic has held hearings on Wednesday on the origins of COVID-19. That's when they, they began the hearings. The next slide uh, that, that I have for you shows that the former New York Times editor, Nicholas Wade, described several pieces of evidence that supported the fact that COVID-19 was a lab leak theory uh, during this uh, hearing. In other words, he believes that this, this COVID-19 actually came as a result of a lab leak in, uh, in China. And this is something that I stated as an opinion as early as March of 2020, and big tech shut me down. They said that I was uh, against science. No, I wasn't against science. I was against them lying, saying that science had proved it. And now it's coming out that science not only didn't prove anything, but now all these fact checkers and all of these social media companies, they're all being proven as liars. True, 100% liars and that's just the way it is but I will preface that by saying that is my opinion based on numerous numerous news agencies that are reporting just that all across the world let's listen to this report this is uh, courtesy of Fox and again I must remind everybody I am a member of the United States Press Association I know Facebook got its little Britches all bent out of shape, uh, thinking that uh, we were not members of the media. Well, we, we corrected them. We gave them a membership, and they haven't heard from them since. 
YouTube has done the same. They've tried everything that they can to shut us down because we are a religious organization. And even though this is a newscast, it is a newscast from a Christian perspective. So let's listen to this very quickly. In theory, did not prevail by accident. It was promoted by science administrators in the United States and England, including Francis Collins and Anthony Fauci of the National Institutes of Health. The NIH is a national treasure, and Collins and Fauci's most prominent leaders at the time are well known to the public and on Capitol Hill. It's hard to believe that in the twilight of their long careers, they would seriously mishandle an issue as important as the origin of the COVID virus. Yet that is what the evidence seems to point to. The campaign to discredit LabLeak began on the evening of January 31st, 2020, when Fauci received an email from four virologists led by Christian Anderson of Scripps Research. They had all concluded that SARS-2, because of its furin cleavage site, could not have been made in nature. Fauci was probably not too pleased to hear that the virus might have escaped from research that his agency has funded. Okay, so again, what, um, what is known here is that Anthony Fauci was actually employed and working with the same laboratory that is now being accused of releasing the coronavirus. Now, Mr. Fauci has done all that he possibly can to hide the fact that this is even a possibility. Um, he has refused to accept that it was man-made. He said that it was created in nature, and that is now being disproven by scientists. So if we are worried about scientifics, if we are worried about science, then we need to listen to those same scientists who are saying that this did not occur naturally, but was in fact created in a lab in China and released. Now, the question becomes whether or not it was released intentionally or by accident. And to that, I have no answer. To that, I don't think the scientific community has an answer yet. However, I can tell you that in Matthew chapter 24, we are warned of pestilence pestilence that will be abundant on the earth. Now, there's a bird flu that is moving around right now. And of course, COVID-19 is not over, not by any stretch of the imagination. As a matter of fact, there's a new outbreak, or, or was anyway, a new outbreak in China just in the past few months. So we don't know whether or not COVID-19 will be suppressed anytime soon. We don't know how long it's going to be around, but we do know that the Bible calls for that there will be pestilence in the days leading up to what Terry and I talk about, which is the rapture of the church. Now here it's important, very, very important for people to understand that the rapture is real. Whether or not you can downplay it all you want to, and I know people are frustrated because it hasn't happened yet. Well, it hasn't happened yet because things happen in God's time. They do not happen in our time. I could say, oh, I would love for the rapture to happen today, and I would, but that doesn't mean it's going to. It's going to happen when God says it is time that it happens. So I ask people to please just be patient. It's going to happen. But the one thing that we do know is that once these things begin, 
once the wars and the rumors of wars that we're going to talk about here in a few minutes, once that begins to speed up, once the natural disasters across the world begin to speed up, and I've got a brand new report I'm going to be giving you here in just a moment, once these things begin to happen, they're going to happen more frequently and they're going to happen much faster. Once they start, we are on the road. I told you I've got a new report. And you'll have to bear with me as I look over here on this screen. But there is an Alaskan volcano that has been dormant for a century. And all of a sudden, it is delivering ominous signs of significant unrest. Does this mean it's going to blow up? I don't know. But let's listen to this. The Alaska Volcano Observatory raised the alert level of advisory status for Tanaga Volcano on Tuesday following a series of earthquakes. Remember, earthquakes are a big part of Matthew 24. The earthquake activity beneath the uh, Tanaj volcano began to increase slowly, starting at about 1.30 p.m. Alaskan time, uh, roughly 8.45 p.m. Uh, now, this is the largest of the quakes have a magnitude, this is the earthquakes we're speaking of, the, have a, a magnitude between 2.0 and 3.0 with the initial locations at shallow depths beneath the volcano's summit. That indicates that we're seeing significant unrest at the volcano. Now, this is according to John Power, a research geophysicist uh, with the U.S. Geographical Survey, uh, who is stationed in Anchorage, Alaska. He says whether or not this will lead to an eruption is something we can't say at this point in time, but we are concerned about it enough that we have gone and elevated the warning level. Now, I see Terry has uh, shown back up here, and I am going to go ahead and bring him into the discussion. And Terry, what I'm talking about, or what I was just talking about with everybody, was the fact that there is now a lot of activity surrounding a volcano in Alaska that has been dormant for over 100 years, and they are extremely uh, concerned about that. Also, you missed the first part, the first thing that, that I was talking about today, where yeah. uh, a federal court has now blamed the Biden administration for the border crisis and has ordered them to stop the catch and release. Well, look at that. Okay, so it, that. anyway, I'll let you comment on both of those things. Well, well, praise the Lord, the border thing, because it's closer to us in that regard, is a praise to the Lord. Uh, I'm so glad. Just hopefully things are turning around a little bit. The volcano, that's right in order with Matthew 24. Right. Uh, you know, and you've got earthquakes in Turkey and so forth and so on. Jesus said in diverse, in different places, right. uh, these things are happening. Okay. So, yeah. And also, I had also talked about the origin of COVID-19. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, yeah. everybody is coming to agreement that this came from the Wuhan lab in China. All except for, of course, Anthony Fauci. His memory seems to get worse and worse as days go on. But yeah. anyway, um, I had just talked about, about him and, of course, about this earthquake. But I had not finished talking about uh, Dr. Fauci. And I want you to listen to this report. Again, we are not saying that COVID-19 
definitely without any doubt whatsoever originated in China in a Chinese lab however mm -hmm. the scientific evidence that they touted so much well now that scientific evidence is backing me up okay all the way back yeah. from March of 2020 okay let's listen to this one health firm doctor it's always good to have you with us thank you very much for being here I, I just want to start by playing this moment from uh, representative Jim Jordan about uh, the back and forth on this lab issue among the top health officials in the United States at a crucial time so three days after they say it came from a lab, they changed their position and the only intervening events, a conference call with Dr. Fauci and Dr. Collins, again, a call that Mr. Redfield was not allowed to be on, the head of CDC and on the coronavirus task force. And then three months later, Shazam, they get nine million bucks from Dr. Fauci. Well, isn't that something? What is he referring to there and what's your, what's your take on that? Well, they obviously had a conversation uh, on February 1st, uh, and then I think several after. Uh, previously, they had a group of scientists that thought that the virus did not look like it was a virus that evolved in nature. And then within three to four days, they changed their point mm -hmm. of view. Um, uh, the implication was they later received substantial funding from NIH. You know, I don't personally believe they're linked. But obviously, it makes people wonder that what, what was the basis for changing their point of view within three days? There was no new science information. And I think what, what bothers me about it the most, and I've said this before, that the approach they took was antithetical to science. I had made it clear to Dr. Fauci and, and Jeremy Farrar and, this, and the, uh, the uh, Tedros from the WHO that I thought we had to aggressively pursue both hypotheses to spill over in the lab and we had to use science to get at the answer. And I let them understand my own thinking as a virologist that I thought the evidence was definitely in favor of a lab leak. And again, that was very disappointing me to learn when the Freedom of Information came out months later that they had had these calls and that I was totally excluded from all of them. Yeah, I mean, we were told time and time again that if we were smart, we'd be listening to science and that science was essentially Dr. Fauci. So if you didn't go along with what he said and you didn't believe everything he said, then you were against science, which is, you know, an insulting idea because you're a scientist and your opinion was being completely shut down. How because there's so much focus, and I think rightfully so, on how the lack of transparency and the destruction of some of the evidence that we believe China did. You know, do you think in the early days, if they had been more open to this idea that the virus looked like it had been genetically engineered and very similar to the kind of thing they were working on in that lab, do you think we could have gotten closer to, to the origins and gotten more out of China in those early days? Yeah, I don't think there's any question. Uh, I was in conversations with my counterpart on New Year's Eve in the first week of January, offering to put a team of about 20 people in to help him uh, discern what was going on, uh, particularly to learn whether there was evidence of human-to-human -human transmission and asymptomatic transmission, both of which he said there was neither human-to-human -human transmission nor asymptomatic transmission, both of which were wrong. Um, it was very unusual because in the past, as I had a CDC and him had a China CDC, we could just agree that I would come in and help or he would come in and help. 
but he told me that he wasn't allowed to give me permission. Mm -hmm. I had to write a request, and which I did. That request, unfortunately, was never answered. I did ask the president to request that we could uh, come in to President Z, and he did make those phone calls in the first, uh, uh, I think, 10 days of January. And again, the request was denied. We were not allowed in. Big mistake, a big loss. And again, I want to make a point that this, that this is not just China. This is basically the United States, the European scientists, and China. Mm. So when people want to say, well, it's all China, no, it was the United States scientific community, it was the European scientific community, and it was China, all involved in this research that I believe led to the greatest pandemic of our time. Wow. It's an extraordinary story. Uh, and there's a lot to dig into here, and we're going to keep doing it. Dr. Redfield, thank you. Okay. Now, this guy was the head of the Center for Disease Control for the United States of America, and he was excluded from being a participant in discussing what was going on with the pandemic. If there is anything more stupid than that, please let me know what it was. And unfortunately, right now, Terry, quit playing with your lights, please. Unfortunately for now, I've yeah. got to blame. I blame that on President Donald J. Trump, because President Trump could have said, "No, Mr. Fauci, you've got to bring in the CDC director." He could have done that as president. He didn't. He failed on that one. Okay, mm -hmm. so that one's on him. Yeah. Now, well, Terry, you're not going to have time for two minutes of Terry in the first half of this show. Okay. okay. Now, I want to get back a little bit to this discussion on when this started. I mentioned this before you joined us, mm -hmm. that yes. in December of 2020, Anita and I came down with the worst flu that we have ever had in our entire life. We didn't go to a doctor. We took mm -hmm. um, over-the-counter medication. We were both down for a week. It was yeah. the worst thing I have ever dealt with in my entire life, but we survived mm -hmm. it. And now mm -hmm. I'm hearing and you just heard it in this last report that they were talking mm -hmm. about this in the first week of January of yeah. 2020. And what I'm talking mm -hmm. about is December of 2019. I had mm -hmm. COVID-19 in 2019, in my mm -hmm. opinion. Okay. Yes. Now, they should have done something. The, America, the, the government should have done something. But Anthony mm -hmm. Fauci, um, I don't know, medical license, his medical license should mm -hmm. be revoked. I think he should be put on trial for treason. That is my personal opinion. I truly believe that he should be federally charged. Now, I don't know what your opinion of that is. I don't want to get into that too deep for fear of YouTube taking us down or Facebook, uh, fascist book, as I now call them, trying to take us down. Okay? So, uh, but anyway, um, COVID-19 is not going anywhere. And that's just a pestilence. Okay, so in this show so far... Today, on this newscast, so far, we have talked mm -hmm. about pestilence and natural disaster. Mm -hmm. Both things are a part of Matthew 24. Uh, I'm, Terry, literally, you got 30 seconds to reply to that. Go ahead. I saw a sign coming home from dropping Karen off at work today, uh, and I don't know who was behind it or what, but it said masks are very much encouraged. And I thought, where did that come from? Okay, that I'm not going to get into that's a, that's the best way to get us banned. That is the best oh, way to get us oh, banned is sorry, to talk I, about masks. I, 
Leave that out. Leave that out. Okay. Well, I'm telling you that Facebook, YouTube, social, it doesn't matter if it's your your opinion or not. doesn't matter. You are not allowed in the United States of America to express an opinion on masks. You can't do it. That is the one thing that they will take you down for immediately. If you have anything to say about a mask, it better be positive or you will be canceled. Period. Okay, for those of you that only get the first half of the show, we encourage you to go to www.lastchristian.net. For everybody else, we'll be at right after the break for the second half of the newscast. Attention podcasters, influencers, media personalities, content creators, and aspiring or existing radio personalities. KRRB Revelation Radio now offers the opportunity to broadcast or syndicate both new or existing shows to all 50 states and more than 160 countries around the world. And if you currently operate a radio station, we offer you the opportunity to add several popular shows in virtually every genre for broadcast on your station. Choose programming from 30 minutes to two hours with each internationally syndicated show adding quality content sure to grow your listening audience. We even have excellent optional services to help you promote your show or station. These services are not only designed for audio use on the radio, but also include tools for use on social media, even YouTube. For more information, visit www.revelationradio.net or email the Ustreamit LLC broadcast network at office at ustreamit.net today. And welcome back, everybody, to the second half of the last Christian newscast and radio show. Um, Terry, in the first half, um, we concentrated on another part of the world, actually, and, of course, a lot to do with the United States. As a reminder here, real quick, um, the court laying blame on Biden for the border crisis, I think uh, think they're about – two years too late on doing that but at least they're catching up um the origins and the effects of uh covid19 as the ongoing congressional hearings continue but now now as we get into the second half of the show i want to talk more about china and to do that i have to go to uh written written reports here and you know i think that we are underestimating China in everything that's yeah. going on right now. Yeah. Um, you know, we had the Chinese spy thing going on, mm-hmm. and I don't know. We, we let the thing just kind of hover, hover over us mm-hmm. for a week before we brought it down. But there's a lot of other stuff going on with uh, China, and now we have threats coming out of Beijing. Okay, I want mm-hmm. to I want to read this. This is coming out of Beijing, China, and this is according to their new foreign minister. So we're talking about the actual Chinese government that's making these making these reports. He mm-hmm. says that the US and China are hurling toward inevitable and that is a big word. He's hur- mm-hmm. hurling toward inevitable confrontation and conflict now confrontation and conflict in from what i know that means war right yeah yeah it sure does okay now he said that again this is inevitable unless of course washington changes course um Mm. now he said in fact 
the U.S. side's so-called competition is all around containment and suppression, a zero-sum game. He suggested that the conflict may be unavoidable unless Washington stops trying to su suppress Beijing. The U.S. side supposedly wants to put guardrails on Sino-U.S. relations and not to clash. In fact, it wants China not to respond in words or action when slandered or attacked. That is just impossible. If the U.S. side does not put on the brakes and continues down the wrong path, no amount of guardrails can stop the derailment and rollover into confrontation and conflict. Western countries led by the United States have implemented all-around containment, encirclement, and suppression of China, which has brought unprecedented severe challenges to our country's development. What do you think about all that? Uh, it's pretty well garbage there. Uh, China is the one making all of the aggressive moves. America, I wish America would do something. America's not doing anything. They're asleep at the wheel, all of them. Right. You know, they're, they're not even, you know, so, so China is able to play the stage, make the speeches, uh, do all of the uh, grandstanding, uh, because there's nobody doing anything on stage in the world for, for America. Yeah, the Americans are just, you know, they're pretty well asleep and happy at the wheel with old Biden. <laughs> well, I know that President Trump suggested that, you know, we better do something with China. Uh, he had yeah. talked about that throughout uh, his administration, and he was criticized for it quite a bit. Yes, he was. Yes, um, he was. And I also know, and this is a fact, that Hunter Biden— uh, the president's son was very much involved with uh, at least companies inside mm -hmm. of China. And mm -hmm. now, whether or not this is playing in any way, shape, or form to the way that the Biden administration is handling China, all of that would be personal opinion from me, from you, or from anyone else. We don't know. Mm -hmm. We simply mm -hmm. don't know. However, I do find it suspicious that... Uh, President Biden refuses to really say anything about the Chinese government and all this stuff. What, what do you think about it? Yeah, and uh, the only thing that keeps me from, from being too hard on Biden is because he doesn't talk a whole lot about anything. Um, no. So, you know, it's not like China's the only one getting ignored. Uh, you know, it, You've got the border. You've got all of the things going on in America. You've got the Ukraine. He's totally oblivious of the world. Totally oblivious. Well, you know, I'm I'm gonna I'm going that's to. My, that's yeah, my opinion. Yeah, I was I was just gonna say I've got to, I've got to say that's Terry Farley's opinion because some of that that's I agree right. with and some I don't. Now here's here's the deal with China. Not only are they making statements like that, which are um, well, it's scary. Just It's just downright scary to think that two superpowers could go into conflict. Because we, you know that's not going to be a conventional warfare. You know it's not. There's just no way. So, um, you know, that's that's a scary proposition. That's a front. You know, and we talked about that in a, in a previous show that, you know, I suspect 
that in time America could be fighting a war on three fronts from the mm-hmm. east, from the west, and from the south, maybe from the north too, if mm-hmm. you count Russia coming in from yeah. that way. Yeah. Um, sure. But anyway, another thing that's going on with China right now, and this is a report that um, has just come out, it was actually um, published just today that Mm -hmm. China has stolen U.S. military secrets to create a formidable J-20 knockoff of America's F-22 Raptor. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, looking at this report, it said that China has achieved its fifth-generation fighter jet by copying U.S. military tech, and it could mm-hmm. maintain its pacing challenge for the American military if more isn't done to safeguard sensitive weapons information. What we know mm-hmm. is that because of the espionage efforts, uh, China's J-20 is more advanced than it otherwise would be, and that's the important point here. Now, that was um, stated by uh, the former acting Undersecretary of Defense Policy James Anderson. Uh, He said that Mm -hmm. they have profited greatly from their thievery over the years. They've put it to good use and they've come up with an advanced fifth generation fighter, noting that it's hard to say, short of actual combat, how the J-20 matches up against the U.S. F-22 Raptor fighter. I don't want to find Mm -hmm. out how it does in combat (laughs) against the F-22 do you? No, I don't. I certainly do not. Okay. So, uh, again, I don't think we're paying enough attention to China. I think that we should. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, what exactly what can be done? I don't know. I'm not real sure. But um, yeah. I don't think that, that pushing them to war is a very good thing. I will say this. I'm bringing this back into Matthew 24. And I'm also mm-hmm. uh, the uh, nation against nation uh, in Ezekiel mm-hmm. chapter 38 and 39. I believe more and more, again, personal opinion, not prophecy, mm-hmm. that China mm-hmm. is a part of that great coalition that will come up against Israel in the Gog and Magog War. Um, whatever you have to mm-hmm. say there, Terry, go ahead. Yeah, they could. Uh, but I want to go back and touch on the comment you made. And again, I know this is opinion. You're just giving your perspective, as I am, okay. uh, unless it's news, hard news, and then you say so. Um, but uh, going back to that, um, I don't believe America is pushing China into war. I think China is pushing America into a, a, a position and a posture of obeisance, of, of the yes sir, no sir. Right. Uh, I, I think they're hoping they don't have to use those new, that J-20 and so forth. Mm-hmm. I think they're hoping they don't have to use the nuclear things. The When, when they're going to use that is when Americans begin to stand up and, and, and talk back. And then they're going to say, uh-oh, we're in trouble. And then we don't well, know again. We you know, do not know what's going to happen. So. I uh, I don't know. I think um, I think China is playing is going to play a larger role in this than either one of us want to admit. And uh, by that, what I am talking about is the Ezekiel thirty eight prophecy, because China is such a huge country. 
They are a nuclear superpower. They're obviously, population-wise, the biggest country mm -hmm. on Earth, unless I'm wrong. I don't think I am. Um, no. Uh, the land mass is huge. And, of course, mm -hmm. by land, they could get to Israel. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, uh, I, I don't know. I, I just feel like that China is going to play a much larger role in prophetic mm -hmm. events. And here, yeah. YouTube and Facebook, or Fastest Book is like calling, they can take a back seat on this because they know nothing about the Bible. So they, they, yeah. they have no idea what I'm talking about when I say that the Russian coalition will move against Israel. That's in the Bible. And if anybody there, Zuckerberg, it might really help you out if you would pick up a copy of the Bible. Go to Ezekiel chapter 38 and 39. Read about it. And I'll pray for you, and maybe maybe I'll see you in the air. Doubt it, but might. Okay, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have said I take that back. Okay. All right. Well, so, I'm, in, I'm, I'm a bad influence on you, Joel. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, again, I do think that it is a growing threat, as I have there on screen right now, for those of you that are getting this in video form. The next thing that I want to talk about, though, is Russia. And there is a lot going on in Russia and in the Ukraine. And one of those, uh, one of those things, of course, is, uh, well, let's, let's just listen to it. It's the best way to do it. This is about, US, about the United States and Lithuania and how, they're, uh, how they view the Russian situation right now. The United States and Lithuania committed their continued support to Kyiv until Ukraine prevails and called on other allies to do the same. In a joint statement following their meeting in Washington, D.C., Secretary of State Antony Blinken and Foreign Minister Gabrielius Landsbergis said their countries will keep helping Ukraine to alleviate the suffering of its people and to defend its sovereignty and territorial integrity within its international nationally recognized borders. The leaders also reiterated calls for Russia to end the war and withdraw all of its troops and equipment, the statement said. Davis Richards reporting. Uh, Terry, I think you got some kind of connection with Lithuania, so I'll let you, I'll let you comment mm -hmm. on that. Uh, yeah, my regards to the Lithuanians. Uh, my grandfather and grandmother came from there. Uh, so it's always it always touches my heart, regardless of what the news, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent. I'm I'm interested immediately. Um, I certainly am, am admiring the position they're taking. Um, we're just going to have to watch and see. You know, I don't think that's going to stop the hook in the jaw. So, no. but other than that, other than that, I'm real glad they're standing up. Yeah. I'm proud of them for that. So. Well, yeah, and I'm sure that they'll stand up right until Russia says we're going to attack you, and then they'll probably sit down and shut up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, that's just, yeah. again, that's just my well, personal opinion. No, that's right. you're that's right. just my personal opinion. Okay. Um, I do know that um, the Ukrainians continue to poke Russia in the, in the eye. Like, you know, yeah. um, it seems like they want to do something almost every day to get Russia madder. Maybe it's to, um, I don't know, I think that they believe that they're building up some kind of great world effort, but actually that world effort is already showing signs and cracks of falling apart. But um, anyway, uh, let's listen to this. This is the latest from uh, Zelensky. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky has pledged to seek justice for an unarmed Ukrainian prisoner of war 
who was killed in a trench on video. The soldier, identified Tuesday by the Ukrainian military as Timofey Mikhailovich Shadura, a member of the 30th Separate Mechanized Brigade, was seen on a short video that appeared on Telegram on Monday. With a cigarette on his lip, Shadura is heard saying, Glory to Ukraine, before being shot to death. The shooters are believed to be Russian soldiers. After Shadura dies, one soldier mutters, Die, expletive. In Russian, The Guardian reported. Harry Michaels reporting. So, again, we talked about this on Tuesday, and I said I had seen this video, and I have. I chose not to run it then. I'm choosing not to run it now. It is just too explicit, and I'm not going to show it. There's no reason to. It's a man being executed, okay? That's what it is. It's a man being executed. The problem is we don't know who executed him. There's nothing about this video. There is absolutely nothing in the video whatsoever that shows that this was done by a Russian soldier. Nothing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely nothing. Okay. So, you know, I'm I'm staying away from that one. I think that uh, I think it's a I think it's a good thing that he wants to, you know, support his troops and all that stuff. I'm speaking of President Zelensky there. Um, I think that's great. But let's wait. You know. Um, Let's get it right. Let's just get the facts in before we make a judgment one way or another. So how did Russia respond to this statement? Well, they did it overnight. Listen to this. From Feature Story News in London, I'm Nina Maria Potts for the latest world news. A UN official has raised the urgent alarm over the loss of power at Ukraine's Zaporizhia nuclear power plant following a wave of Russian airstrikes. In a strongly worded statement, Rafael Grossi told the board of the UN's nuclear watchdog that this cannot go on. More than 80 Russian missiles were fired at Ukraine overnight, which killed at least nine people. It's the largest scale attack in weeks. Kharkiv and Odessa were also attacked. Officials in Kharkiv say there were about 15 strikes on the city alone on critical infrastructure. There were also attacks on Kiev. Emergency services in the capital have been at the scenes of the explosions in the western and southern neighborhoods. The fresh attacks came as the battle over the eastern city of Bakhmut hardens. Okay, now um, I'm going to put a map up here real quick. Just to where people can get some kind of an idea. And if you look down, uh, and again, if you don't get this show um, in video form, um, unless it is removed by YouTube, you can be able to find it on YouTube. Same for Facebook. But uh, if you look there, you will see the picture there of Bakhmud. And you can see that it is about, what would you say, Terry, 75% surrounded? Yeah. Okay, so I don't see, you know, yeah, they are talking about this this place fighting back. I see the Russians moving in. Uh, You can see it's a pretty firm line all the way down from the north all the way to the south. They pretty much got that laid out there, and it looks like that they're surrounding them. So um, Mm -hmm. my um, suggestion to those living in that area is get the heck out of there as fast as you can because um, uh, you know you're i think you're inviting death if you stick around i hope they can get out i don't know that they can for sure um now i'm also going to read a report to you from routers routers however you say it you're you're my you're my uh, yeah you are my um 
and I actually hate it when you do that. But you're 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 my 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 spelling correcting person. Okay. But anyway, this comes out of of Kiev in in the Ukraine, and it said that Russia launched a huge wave of missile strikes across Ukraine while people slept uh, on Thursday. Killing at least six civilians, knocking out electricity, and briefly forcing Europe's biggest nuclear power plant off the grid. This isn't the first time that that they've taken that down. Um, It says the occupiers can only terrorize civilians. That's all they can do. But it won't help them. They won't avoid responsibility for everything they've done. That's according to Zelensky. Um, But... The Russians are obviously having no problem with weaponry. They're having no problem with soldiers. Despite what all the other news agencies want to tell you, the the Russians, uh, you know, they say everything's going according to plan. Everybody says it's not. Well, I'm beginning to think that maybe Russia's right and everybody else is wrong. That's, again, that's my opinion, but I'm going by news reporting from all over the world. What, what do you think? Yeah, no, I think you're exactly right. Um, I'm sorry, but I do not see any hope for Ukraine winning this. Um, I don't even see them staying even. I don't either. Um, when, when, it, when it's time, that again, we have to go back to 38, uh-huh. Ezekiel, right. uh, and the hooks in the jaw. You know, there is just no stopping those passages. Right. Uh, it, it says it's going to happen, period. So. Right. Amen. Okay, and that brings me to the next clip. And this, uh, well, actually, I've got I, I've got a couple of, of minor ones, and I, I guess I should mm-hmm. blow those off for now because of, because of time. Uh, so I'll go ahead and go to to Israel, and then if I have time, I'll come back to these because one of them deals with yeah. uh, Iran, and another one deals with Afghanistan. But um, mm-hmm. anyway, let's listen to this. It's very very important. Anything to do with Israel is important and should we should pay it a lot of attention. So let's listen to this. Eric Steckelback, Watchman Newscast. Again, I have full permission to play it as a member of the U.S. Press Association. Here we go. In the context of him talking about these great, apparently fruitful talks with Iranian officials, he also said, and I quote, any strike against a nuclear facility is outlawed and does not, and I'm paraphrasing here, and does not fit with basically the norms of polite society. It was the essence of what Rafael Grossi said. But any strike against a nuclear facility is outlawed? Folks, read between the lines. It's not too hard to understand. Number one, when he's talking about a strike against nuclear facilities, clearly he's talking about Iran's nuclear facilities. And clearly he's addressing Israel. He didn't have to mention the players. We all know who Rafael Grossi was talking about. Why would he say that? Well, number one, he knows Iran's driving for the bomb. Number two, he knows it's an existential threat to the existence of the state of Israel, not to mention the entire region and the world, ultimately. Grossi knows all of this. And he also knows that Benjamin Netanyahu means business. He has said time and time again, We will not allow Iran to acquire the bomb, and if we need to resort to the military option, we will have to unfortunately do that to preserve the existence 
of the world's one and only Jewish state. So in my view, wildly irresponsible and short-sighted for Raphael Grossi to say that. It appears that Benjamin Netanyahu agrees, not surprisingly, of course. Here's what he said. I'm going to read it from my phone and just quote him directly. And he was none too happy, folks. He said, and I, and I quote, Raphael Grossi is a worthy person who made an unworthy remark. Outside of what law, he asked, can we not strike? Is Iran, which publicly calls for our destruction, is it to protect its weapons of destruction that will slaughter us? Are we forbidden to defend ourselves? Netanyahu continued, of course we are allowed and of course we are doing this. Nothing will prevent us from protecting our country and preventing oppressors from destroying the Jewish state. Game, set, match. Game, set, match. Um, it's very, very simple. If you don't mess with Israel, Israel doesn't mess with you. If you mess with Israel, yeah. prepare for a retaliatory strike. I mean, that's mm -hmm. just the way it is. And these countries, like Iran, are dedicated to destroying Israel, and Israel knows it, and Israel simply mm -hmm. is not going to let them do it. I mean, it's just mm -hmm. that simple. So the mm -hmm. guy that he was referring there is from that, that um, international um, atomic agency. I forget what it's called, mm -hmm. IAEA. Uh, yeah. but, yeah. but anyway, he basically said, hey, you know, let them do what they're going to do, Israel, you know. Don't worry about it. They're not going to hurt you. They're not going to hurt anybody if they get a nuclear weapon. Wrong. Yeah. I put the whole world Man. at risk. Okay. I'm really, yeah. I'm really surprised that this guy had something so stupid to say about that. Okay. Yeah. I want to uh, follow that up right away with yet another report from Eric on the same topic, but it just kind of highlights and makes it more clear that Israel's not messing around. Israel is, mm -hmm. they're serious. Iran is serious about trying to destroy Israel, and Israel is very serious about saying, no, you won't. So listen to this. Mm -hmm. Among the Biden administration that Israel may just act against Iran. Hey, we had a U.S. official testify last week that Iran is likely just 12 days away from having enough material to develop at least one bomb. And we know that the IAEA has said even that Iran is enriching uranium, at least at one site, to up to 84%. Not to get too in the weeds, know this. When you enrich uranium at a 90% level, that is weapons grade. That is the level where you can start producing nuclear weapons. Based on the Iranian regime's statements, they would use the bomb against Israel. Folks, it is a central pillar of the Iranian regime's ideology to wipe Israel off the map. It is a driving force behind their entire rationale for existence. I've said it before, I'll say it again today, what I do is not brain surgery. I simply observe and listen to the statements of Iran's leaders, and I believe them, and if the 20th century taught us anything, the century of Mao, Saddam, Hitler, and Stalin, it's that when evil men tell you they want to kill you, you should indeed listen to them and take them at their word. I don't believe what the Iranian regime is saying about Israel, or America for that matter, is just bluster for domestic consumption. Neither does Benjamin Netanyahu, no matter what Rafael Grossi and the UN say about an outlaw against a strike on Iran's nuclear facilities, no one wants to see it. It's an absolute last resort. But again, 
It all falls on Israel's shoulders, much as it did in 1981 when Israel struck Saddam Hussein's nuclear reactor, and much as it did in 2007 when Israel eliminated Syria's nuclear reactor. Do you sense a pattern there? When a hostile neighbor begins to develop nuclear weapons, Israel acts preemptively. Uh, Iran has certainly noticed that. So has the UN. Everyone knows the stakes. Everyone with common sense knows Israel's not going to sit on the sideline. Okay, so Israel is, they've done this before. They've acted against Iraq. They've acted mm -hmm. against Syria. And I can pretty much guarantee you that Iran knows that they're going to act against them. I think that the mm -hmm. IAEA and the United Nations and all nations of the world fully understand mm -hmm. that Israel is not going to allow this to happen. Mm -hmm. They have they have people on the ground right now, Terry, in mm -hmm. Iran. The sure. Iranians are trying to find them, but they can't. But they're there. And mm -hmm. the um, the facilities are underground. I understand that not mm -hmm. even the, the the bunker buster bombs can't even get there. They're, they're too deep. But mm -hmm. Israel is very confident they can take them mm -hmm. out. And yeah. uh, my money's on Israel. How about you? Oh, yeah, completely. Totally. Even when Israel at a certain point uh, gets to where they are just done for because of the people the armies flooding in god himself is going to strike them down but until he does he will give israel all they need to take care of things until he comes into the picture himself amen, amen. now if the lord gives us another another day to broadcast we'll be back next time until then good night Thanks again for joining us today for The Last Christian Radio Show. And be sure to tune in every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday right here on Revelation Radio. And don't forget to join us every Wednesday evening at 7.30 p.m. Central for The Last Christian Podcast. Now available on all major podcast platforms and at www.lastchristian.net. Until the trumpet sounds.